0: Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we
1: can't climb Babe. Welcome to Groundhog Minute, the podcast where we celebrate the 1993 classic Groundhog Day, one repetitive minute at a time. I am your host, Sean. And I'm your other host, Dave. And joining us again today, we have special guests
0: John and Niall from Bet Minute 89. Welcome.
1: Oh, Ooh. hey.
0: Yeah, hi, you, do
2: you do you guys want to get nuts?
3: <laughs> Let's get nuts! get nuts! Yeah, little you guys know that uh, me and John are actually caught in our own Groundhog Day loops, and we've actually recorded this episode with you about seventeen times already. But I think we're gonna nail it this time.
1: We're we'll to nail it. <laughs> this time, this time we will get it right. This
3: yeah. is gonna be the one. So. Hey, have you uh, ever that? De- I was going to talk, try to bring back that whole shingles thing from two episodes ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just going, to, I was going to say, do you know that John has shingles? And I was like, that's horrible.
1: <laughs> I shouldn't say that.
2: Hey, I'm I'm okay now. You can, you
1: can <laughs> no. say. Yeah, I
2: did indeed have shingles as an adult. It was horrible.
1: Oh my! God. Oh yeah, that's I hear it's supposed to be something very bad. That is, you that, don't is that
3: true? Like I was just joking about. it. No, it
2: did. It was. Really? It was because um, I'm 32 now. Well, I'm 32 in a couple of days as of recording. And um, happy birthday! It was. Oh, thank you. It was about four years ago. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I, I had God. shingles. So and, I knew you then. I don't
3: remember that. I'm really yeah. sorry now that I made light of your situation. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not
2: remember? I went deaf in one ear. Right. Oh, Trash, so I went yeah. to the doctor, <laughs> oh, and so, while I was so. there, I said, "Oh, and this morning I got this rash," and they were like, "Yeah, you got shingles as well." <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, so it wasn't the shingles that made you deaf. That was no, like it was separation.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and my You're... boss still said, "Like, are you, are you coming back into work?" <laughs> it's like, no. No, it's a hospital as well. I'm not coming in. It's <laughs> contagious. Yeah, you're not right. You're not supposed to go. To- she was like, just oh, just put uh, just put long sleeves on. It'll be fine. Like, no.
3: <laughs> oh, anyway, so the that was a joke I made that backfired
1: quite drastically.
2: <laughs> Welcome to Shingle Cast. All right. See,
1: I was I was just gonna say, have you ever danced with a groundhog in the pale moonlight? Oh, oh. most Saturdays. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yes, I do often and enjoyably.
1: So right. <laughs> That's what I do with my free time. All right. Well, so welcome back, gentlemen and, and listeners. And we are all back here to talk about Minute 41 of Groundhog Day. So in Minute 41, Phil is now
0: not only predicting the weather, but he is now predicting the timing of the armored car, the dogs, the conversation between Doris and Felix. And then he goes in for the money.
1: Going for the money. Yeah. And so this is the first indication to me about the scales of time that we're going to be dealing with. As I think I said yesterday, I kind of the first time through, I kind of got the feeling that maybe this this Nancy thing all happened in one or two days where he kind of gets the information and works out his pickup line and, and whatever. Maybe that happened quickly. But this is this clearly shows a lot of time. And, and repetitions and planning and the details mm-hmm. of everything he knows down to, you know, the, the car passing in front of him as he starts crossing the street. And so Phil is is turning into, uh, you know, the the amoral master criminal who is just <laughs> going to rip off this town of everything that isn't nailed
2: down. I also think it gives an interesting view, like, because um, obviously his previous evening was enjoyable, shall we say. <laughs> um his previous yeah. run through went well he had fun but to me you you start seeing here as well how maddening this would become because he knows everything about this day everything mm-hmm. and i think it's getting to the point where it's not going to be fun anymore like yeah. he doesn't even seem to relish the fact that he can do this stuff now he's like it's boring mm. <laughs> already
0: yeah uh now this is i've calculated this has got to be somewhere in the late afternoon because this is after Doris's shift at the cafe, mm-hmm. so we ass- I want to assume this is probably like late before the bank closes, probably around like you know three or four. Um, assuming the cafe closes after lunch, so that would be like around two, two, two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it gets to this point now. It's out, it, we haven't talked about it in a while, but I'm curious. Like we see Phil, like he's wearing a different shirt, it's a different shirt that is usually, and it's mm-hmm. not, it's not tie. He has no tie. It looks like he's not even like, under that coat. It looks like he's wearing some kind of dark vest. I'm not really sure what he's wearing under his his regular coat, but you know, like is he is he still at this and on this day while he's calculating, is he still going through, you know, the motions? Is he still doing the the network? Is he still talking to Ned in the morning? Is he decided to, like, I would think he would start walking different paths, not just to like get around Ned, but mm-hmm. just to see something else. Like, I'll he's I'll take a longer route. To gobbler's knob just so i could see something different like i'll see, you know
1: yeah well that also gets into the question and i know it's come up a couple times in the discussion group on on facebook and that that's gobbler's knob the groundhog minute listeners group nice um of just you know what what's what's the timing and how many days and, and are we going to talk about that on the show and there's there's a lot of questions there's a lot of different interpretations there's not too much concrete we have to go on Mm. so i've been kind of keeping an unofficial day track going in my notes Mm. and so i have this as the fifth day that we see um and just we know it was it was dark it was evening when we last saw phil with nancy and now it's daylight so at least the next day but again we We see signs. Obviously, this is more than his fifth day in this town. If it's down to the point where, like, yeah, dog barks, car drives by, you know, all these these other things that are that are not even directly related to the, the bank job. You figure, well, he's been watching the bank. He's been planning this heist, but. It's to the point where he notices these other things that have nothing to do with the bank and nothing to do with Doris and the guards. So even though we've only seen five Groundhog days in the movie, Phil's got to, you know, he's gone through many, many days. Yeah. And it's really just speculation of, well, how, you know, how many repetitions does it take? Even if he's doing multiple things, like he can be seducing a woman and annoying Rita and stuffing his face at the diner and and doing different things throughout the day. This only happens once a day, this exchange with Doris and, Mm. and the, the, the truck and everything and the guard. So yeah. So what, what's going on? And then, yeah, you get to a point where, and, and Ramis talks a little bit about this, Harold Ramis in the director's commentary about the, the dangers that, that Phil is, is exposed to that he may not even realize yet. Um Ramus calls it a a delightful fantasy mm. is the phrase he uses to describe this this realization that you can do whatever you want, which sounds really great um at first, but then you see yeah, you see as you guys are noticing that, it kind of it wears you know it wears after a time of like, okay, I can do these things, but why am I doing? everything's gonna reset nothing really yeah. matters yeah he's
2: not he's not getting anything out of it ultimately is he mm-hmm. it's a very fleeting kind of high because mm. the next day if he's achieved anything it's gone well, so this, yeah why
3: it's, it's one of the things too like even <laughs> like is is he just doing this like for like a giddy thrill as well because if you know the day is going to reset i'm assuming like phil does okay financially so why not? Why take the risk if you want to go and blow your money on like a fancy car, uh, like an entire freaking table full of pastries and whatnot, like he's done earlier? <laughs> just go and empty your bank account. But he is he just doing this? Like I just want the thrill of this. Like I'm stealing. I'm
1: robbing. Yeah. I'm
2: essentially rob- robbing a bank. I think so. If there's no consequence to it, yeah. yeah. Wh- why not?
1: Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's 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 a couple different there's, there's 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 different things. There's a lot of ins, a lot of outs. Things to consider. So certainly because he knows or he's counting on the day resetting, he could just walk into a car dealership and be like, the most expensive car with all the options. I'm not even going to haggle about the price and I'll finance it Yeah, because I know I'm not going to have to make any payments anyway. But then you've got to go through all the paperwork and everything and he's only got this one day. Anything he wants to do, he's got to get it done today Mm -hmm. because then everything resets back to the beginning. So maybe it's faster to... Rob the bank and then just buy a car with cash.
3: I, don't know, I think I, I would have thought that would flag more red flags than anything. Though him walking in with <laughs> a, a satchel full of money going, yeah. oh, I want to buy a car. <laughs> yeah,
2: thirty grand cars.
0: And we <laughs> right. never we never see the car dealership. Like I guess it's somewhere in town. Yeah, I was going to say a luxury car.
1: The, it's, it's a. Um, I don't think it was filmed. It's not in the deleted scenes on the Blu Ray, but it is in the. Um, the latest revision of the script. So there is a scene in the script that shows Phil buying the car and it's, yeah, it's a, I think it's a Mercedes in the script, but it's like a $60,000 car. And he opens up a briefcase of cash and says, I will pay you 70,000. If you get me out of here with this car as fast as possible. Mm. Um, So again, and, and we'll see it later that, um, it it starts building up to the the party at the end. Now in in the movie, it's the big Groundhog Ball that they have every year. Actually, in in the script, it's um, before they actually. Danny Rubin didn't do a lot of research into <laughs> the actual Groundhog Day festivities in Punxsutawney before <laughs> writing the screenplay. So in, in the original screenplay, there was a, just a party that Phil plans, ah. but he's got you know on, it's. It's one of the interesting dichotomies of the movie that on the one hand, he has literally years to plan this party, to put to get a band and the entertainment and a venue and, and people invited and everything and kind of work out the details. But at the same time, he only has one day to get it executed. Yeah. So he can yeah. as much planning as it takes in his mind, he can do, but then when he actually makes it happen, it's all got to be very quickly. So if he needs a car, yeah, he doesn't have an hour, which would be quick. I mean, the last time I bought a car, it seemed like it was all day. It like was. I yeah. just, I have yeah. money, you have a car, can't we just swap? For some reason, it takes forever. <laughs> Where if you only have one day, and you're like, well, gee, I've got a, you know, I've got a, you know, I've got a hit on this woman that that I've never met before. Convince her she knows me to get her going on a date. And you know I don't I don't have half a day to spend just arranging transportation kind of thing.
3: Yeah. Although you you think of many ways, it'd just be easier to steal the car <laughs> like, just <laughs> go the, yeah. the other route and just be like, yeah, I'll yeah. save Cut me, the I'll save me that hour. <laughs> just like I'll just go and yeah. steal the car. Uh, what I do like here though is, um, like you were saying that the the original uh, script had you know voiceover which is now giving me visions of, like, mm-hmm. this terrible, like, the first time the I Got You, Babe starts again, all of a sudden we get, like, Bob O'Reilly starts playing on the soundtrack, and, like, Phil's voice over going, like, I know what you're <laughs> thinking. How did I get here? Didn't I do this day already? Let me tell you my story. And <laughs> it's been like, oh, my God, it sounds awful. So,
1: you, so you've read the first version of the screenplay. Then. <laughs> that's, that's what it pretty much reads like. It reads like this is – Potentially a good idea, but it needs it needs help.
3: Yeah, but uh, what I like here is that it's uh, you you're getting everything just by him going dog barks, you know, gust mm-hmm. of wind. You understand perfectly the situation. You, you don't need it explained to you. And uh, what I watched recently, which I think you guys said you might do like a like a special on it or something, but I watched the the recent Groundhog Day esque release, Happy Death Day. Ooh. I don't know if you guys have yeah. you actually watched it yet, or not yet, yeah. But I think I think we may. I think we I have not. It's... Yeah, I've
1: I've got it on my list to to watch it's, soon.
3: It's not yeah. it's not bad. Like it's it's not, it's not like, the wor- it's like the 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 main character like uh, Jessica Roth. Like she's a great actress. Like she's like I can see her going on to do much better things. But um, it starts off really well. And then towards the end, it starts getting very lazy with its... Mm-hmm. With, and and it, it, it does start explaining things. Like, like, the audience is an idiot. It's uh, explaining things on. to you. And there's a bit where they have a central conceit in that movie where, like, she keeps getting killed at the end of the day. And she has to find out who the killer is. And she believes that as soon as I find out who the killer is, that will let me out of the time loop. And at one point, she's getting closer to a guy in it. And then... And uh, they kind of you know they fall in love, and it's the same thing with you know uh, Phil and Rita. But uh, at one point, she has everything set up to kill the murderer, but her you know soon to be boyfriend he gets killed, and uh, so she has the the murderer dead to rights, and she's about to like you know pull the trigger or whatever on him. And you as the audience know, like, well, if she resets the day, that guy's gonna be permanently dead, so you can't do that. And then she ha- the the film stops to tell you, she physically says if I if I kill this guy now, I won't be able to reset the date. <laughs> it's like, I know! I'm not an idiot. Movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just in case
2: you weren't paying attention. Yeah,
3: it's like, I understand. that I've seen Groundhog Day. I understand the premise. <laughs> <laughs> Although they do actually name check Groundhog Day at the end. Like, they actually have hey, the guy. The guy and then they, a thing I thought, found even more sort of insulting, particularly because I'm assuming, I actually I didn't check who wrote the movie, but I'm assuming it's a, probably like a 30 to 40-year-old white guy. Uh, because at the end, it has like the, the the nerdy kid say to her, "Oh, it's like you you've been through like a Groundhog Day," and she's like, "What?"
2: And he's like, "It's <laughs> like that movie,
3: Groundhog Day," and she's like, "I don't I don't know what you're talking about," and he's like, "You know, oh with uh, with Bill Murray," and she's like, "Who?" And he's like, "You know, Ghostbusters," and she's like, "What are you talking about?" And it's like, "Come <laughs> on, my seven year old niece knows <laughs> Bill Murray in Ghostbusters. <laughs> but everybody knows Ghostbusters." This is a portrayal of like, oh, she's a blonde bimbo. She wouldn't know what who Bill Murray is. And it's like people know who people are. All right, he, he, he's, yeah. he's prevalent enough throughout the internet that everyone and their mother and their daughter knows who Bill
2: Murray is. <laughs> yeah, I would say don't don't assume anything. But at the same time, I only just found this out preparing for this show that there's a Groundhog Day musical. Oh, oh yes, yeah. yeah. Which I really hope you guys are going to look at that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I haven't seen the musical, but I've listened to a couple of interviews with the cast, um, and it it sounds good. It sounds like it might be entertaining. They brought in its same. They brought in uh, uh, Danny Rubin, who did the original screenplay for the movie, uh, worked on the play, and and um, what's that guy's name? Tim Minchin. Oh,
3: is oh guy, Tim McGee's involved. Oh, I know Tim. Yeah, he, he was a big deal over here for like a while, and then yeah, yeah. he wrote the Matilda. Yeah, well,
1: we yeah, we've we've just got him recently. I guess I hear he was probably a big a big deal. Yeah. there for yeah. I think for he, a while, he wrote
3: that the uh, Matilda musical, didn't he?
2: Oh, did yes. he do that as well? Yeah, I think oh. that's
3: his big. I think that's what what's made him now is that yeah, he's the the musical theater guy, whereas we knew oh. him as like oh that very unfunny
2: musical comedian, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like he was a good musician, but I didn't find him that funny. Yeah. So this is probably a good way to to channel his um his talent. I
3: think I, I think I have an in, inherent beef with that. Like I don't know, if, if ever I see a comedian come out on stage with like a guitar or something, I'm immediately <laughs> like, "Oh no. No, no, no. Oh, no. Just just tell jokes. Don't try to. I know what you're going to do. <laughs> a techni- on a technical level, you could be a skilled musician and what you're going to doing might be clever, but it won't be funny." <laughs> Every time with me, I've never seen a live stage act comedian with a musical instrument singing a, a comedy song and actually laughed at it. So, huh.
1: that's, well, so you, you haven't seen Flight of the Concords? Oh,
2: the, the, oh, I'm going to see them. I would have seen them last week, but Brett broke his hand. So they've had to postpone the gig. Uh, oh,
3: no. <laughs> I mean, actually, that's, that's unfair because, well, I mean, Flight of the Concords is. Uh, I've not seen them live. I know the show though, I think they can mm-hmm. much like Spinal Tap actually. Like they Spinal Tap's funny. The, the that works for me within the context of the movie. But if you bring me out to like I'm here to tell a couple of jokes and here's a funny song I wrote and it's like, oh no, 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 no. But the Spinal yeah. Tap and Fly of the Concords, they're in character. And they're doing like right. this is our we are pretending that we are Fly of the Concords and we are a band from New Zealand and this is our manager and all this kind of thing. That works for me. Whereas I don't know, for some reason live just like here, here I am, and here's a here's a wacky song I wrote. Doesn't gel for me. I don't know. Maybe it's, yeah, I'm just an old yeah. grudge. These days. Well, when sp- I, I
1: I I kid. I, I you know I bring up the you know Concord's just to just to needle and be contrarian. I but <laughs> I I agree generally. If I'm if I'm out, I try to go out and see live comedy as much as I can. And if I'm out there and yeah, and someone walks out and there's a there's an instrument, I usually don't expect. Good things to happen, mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's usually do the do the stick to your comedy. If your music was good, then you'd you'd be a musician. Yeah. You wouldn't be a comedian.
3: Plus, not to me, like no. G- yeah. Jermaine's just like oh, he's like he's like the new villain on Legion now. This is like this is that's <laughs> him. Automatically to me, like yeah, him yeah. and yeah, Audrey Plaza. That's the whole. That's their whole
1: thing. <laughs> Wait, I thought he was a good guy.
3: Well, I don't know how caught up you are. Right, but he seems like he's yeah he's yeah stuff stuff has occurred. So okay. <laughs>
1: Well yeah, I haven't seen the the season 2 premiere. So we should probably um we we'll, well, I'll cut short. Yeah, just cut the cut, Legion cut, cut the, talk. Yeah, cut the, <laughs> that
3: whole section. Don't yeah.
1: want no spoilers for Legion. Let's get back to um to to the groundhog day. So Phil is yeah, is like scoping this out and I think it calls back to you know the talk about where kind of what is he doing and why is he doing it? And I think we see he kind of, at this stage, he's engaging or indulging his kind of whims and appetites on a very base level. We saw him in the diner with the table of just all the sweets and pastries and a milkshake for breakfast and and all that in front of him and just shoving whole pieces of cake in his mouth. And then we saw him kind of sleeping around um, socially and kind of, you know, hitting it off quickly with nancy and then he's kind of he's doing the same thing like you think well gee if you know you know something's going to happen you know how a day is going to play out and you can carry that knowledge from one repetition to another he could be you know he could be saving lives he could be curing diseases he could be making you know advances in science and technology but instead he's you know he's not using his power for good yeah. he's using it to um to to rob a bank and get this you know this 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 poor old man's probably going to get in trouble mm. these guards um i mean we don't we don't see the outcome this minute but it's not heading in a good direction
3: yeah he's uh he's choosing the quick and easy path like vader did like he's using <laughs> he's using his power for malignant reasons he's going to the dark side basically and he has to f- claw his way back to the light, I guess.
2: But is he, if there's no consequence? This is that. This is the issue you kind of wrestle well, that, with. That, that's actually the yeah.
3: thing, like you know, to tie into another Bill Murray movie, Scrooge, and the whole ethics of mm. like a Christmas Carol. You think you want to convince, like the whole, even the whole concept of like heaven and hell and stuff is always like, do this, be a good person, because then you reap the you reap the rewards later on and you know when you die you get to go to heaven or whatever whereas you mm-hmm. think the morality should be like you should just be a good person just to be a good person like that's just, it's just to help everyone out just just yeah. to be for the the sake of of decency and then in a christmas carol i always i always get that slight vibe of like these ghosts have just terrorized this guy into being nice <laughs> instead of him actually wanting to be a good person <laughs> it's just more like hey look how you know when you die everyone hates you what what do you think of that? And he's just like, "Oh my god, it's so, so terrible. I better be nice now." But is uh, yeah. yeah, so facing a world without consequences, it is kind of like, well, yeah, it's a good it's a it's a good, you know, philosophical question to ponder. Like if you're left with mm. knowing, you know, you've got a completely, uh, you know, atheist view of the world and you're like, "I I will, nothing will come of whatever I do." How long can you maintain just doing whatever you want until you start as a person yourself going I just need to be better because that's more Mm -hmm. gratifying for me internally rather than just, like, I'm just going to go and just, you know, shove a bunch of cakes in my face and rob a bank and (laughs) all that kind
2: of stuff. Well, plus, you'd think probably if this was happening to you, there's something, you know, it's not normal. This is strange. So you'd probably start to think after a little while in a kind of quantum leap fashion, like maybe the solution to, to breaking this cycle lies in me resolving something or achieving something yeah so you, you, you'd probably start veering into doing good things quite quickly i think after the first couple of resets i'd be like hang on a minute yeah. i'm well, clearly of, in some philosophical weird nightmare
1: yeah one of the problems is though phil doesn't have anyone that's going to turn to him and say haven't you seen groundhog day <laughs> so no, no one can do that for him um well, hasn't he seen I, quantum leap though he could still learn yeah. how to do good <laughs> quantum leap but yeah i like I, I like what you said there niall i think that's a very good point and that's one of the things that always bothered me with the christmas carol is the turnaround at the end so like you they showed so the ghost of christmas future shows um ebenezer's grave and like well so what did you did he think he was immortal <laughs> <laughs> and I know there, there's a difference and, and I'm getting a little bit older and there's a difference between knowing humanity is mortal. And then when you actually have to face your mortality, that it's, it's different in the in the concrete reality of it versus the abstract concept. But still that, you know, and this isn't someone who was trying to be popular. So the fact that people didn't like him in death. Like, he'd be fine. I didn't like you in life. So, you know, and I I would kind of think, and I'm reminded of, there was an episode, I think it was the Twilight Zone, the remake in the 80s of the Twilight Zone. There was an episode where there's a time traveler from the future who goes back to Vietnam era United States and is trying to warn the president, like, this Vietnam War thing is not going to work out it's just going to end really poorly and the guy has video from the future and he's showing the all the protests and and all the stuff that happens home and all the reports about how badly the war goes and eventually the u.s retreats and says like listen this is a bad path to go down it's not going to end well trying to avoid the war Mm. and then in the show Then the kind of the twist at the end is the president decides, well, no, we just didn't fight hard
2: enough. (laughs)
1: So I'm going to send even more troops than I was going to send. I'm going to bomb Vietnam even more than I was going to. That's why we failed. We didn't go far enough. Like I kind of I, I kind of it feels to me that would be a more honest ending for Christmas Carol for for Ebenezer to say, well, you know what? You're right. There are all these people that I mistreated and now that I'm dead they're fighting over my remains. Mm. You know, they're they're fighting over my treasures. So you know what? I'm going to spend all my money before I die or <laughs> I'm going to hide it where no one can find it. You know, I'm going to bury all my gold out in the woods so when I'm dead no one gets a penny. Yeah. <laughs> like that seems like a more likely outcome than he suddenly decides to be good. Mm all in one night, at least for Phil, for him to go through that transformation, one, we know it takes more than one night or one day, that it's going to take him years and thousands and thousands of, rep- of repetition of doing the wrong thing, for him to learn for himself and to decide on his own, not through threat of torture or death or anything, to decide on his own to start doing yeah. the right thing. And that's also why I feel there's there's a particularly... Atheist message in this movie that I feel is 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 enlightened and refreshing, and I know many people come to it from a religious angle and think that this shows, um, you know, sort of religious teachings that eventually Phil turns his life around and, and escapes this loop by service to others by doing good for others. Yeah. But I, I one of the things I point at, look at is that. There's no promise. No one comes. There's no genie that says, you know, as soon as you're good enough, this loop is going to end. Or if you do things for other people, if you become self selfless, then you escape this loop. There's no promise of that.
3: Mm. Again, okay. <laughs> the no,
1: only promise know. is is that, like, you know, if you if you live a good life, you'll you'll live a good yeah.
3: life. I,
1: uh, That's the only promise there is.
3: Again, actually. Even thinking again about like you know considering how many years or whatever he's supposed to be in this loop, it could almost be the, the thing of like inst- institutionalization. When he gets out, mm-hmm. like really can be like she she's there the next morning. And he's just be like, what? What the hell is happening? <laughs> and then it's like, all right, you're <laughs> yeah. you're free of the time loop, and he just might be like, I don't want to be free of the time loop. I've yeah. I'm, I'm used to it now. I can't go. I, like, it's gonna be you know Shack Redemption ending where he's just like in a... Just completely like I just can't cope with this outside <laughs> world anymore. Like,
2: oh my god, no, that would be a here. great film. Yeah. Like, oh. That'd be an amazing movie if he finally breaks the loop and then he can't adjust. Yes,
3: I'm. Yeah. A, I would. I would really like just you know not an outright sequel to Groundhog Day, but to do someone to do that and then actually have you don't see the the day repeating because we all know we've seen this movie and we've seen countless TV shows that have riffed on it and stuff, but to mm-hmm. actually just do. What happens next? How do you adjust to life outside the loop and stuff? Maybe I'm give, I <laughs> yes. should be giving away this idea. This could be like my my hit novel that like you know that I, I, should, I could be writing here in the corner. Like So cop, that idea,
1: copyright, Niall McGowan, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. The, I think it's a great idea of what, yeah, that adjustment period. What's it like after this? But, I'm yeah. going to write the great
3: American novel. I'm going to call it Billy... And the time lupusaurus. So.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that's a that's a good <laughs>
1: anywho. <laughs> yeah. Anywho. So the the last thing I had, the last little note I think, particularly for minute forty one that I had, is is the score. This mm. just the music that's going on this minute. We don't we haven't talked a lot about the music since the opening sequence, mm. but we're back to um, sort of the, the Nino Rhoda-esque heist scene. Kind of music, like you definitely like. In case you didn't pick up the fact that Phil is sitting across the street from a bank and he's, you know, he's he's clocking the uh, the armored truck coming in. There's also heist music that just lets you know, like, uh-oh, heist going on, something's happening. <laughs> and I like that.
3: It's a bit too. I thought it was a bit too zany for my for my liking, but oh, that's uh, okay. that's just me. <laughs> oh,
2: I, I I'm I'm a fan. I liked it. I thought it worked.
1: Yeah, it um, is light. I mean, this isn't. This isn't heat. <laughs> oh, my God. This, yeah, it's not that would heat. be amazing it's if he had a microphone
3: like... like, for heat. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: it's just out of the blue. And then the rest of the movie is exactly the same. It's like the, the whole morning he's been
3: yeah. like hiring all these other guys to come in and getting all these like machine guns and stuff ready for this huge shootout. <laughs> yeah.
1: But with the same music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't change anything else. <laughs> oh. um, but, yeah, so how about you guys? So anything else for for Minute 41?
2: Dave.
0: Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, the only one I ask <laughs> is that when you get a close up of the back of the uh, the van, it looks like there's a driver still in the front seat, and I guess he doesn't look in the rear mirror at Phil. Maybe. A yeah, he's, there's definitely
2: a guy there. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, well, because they both don't both the guards get out of the the right side, like the passenger side. So there's a yeah.
2: So yeah, you, you say the passenger side. Not here. For for for, for <laughs> the folks
1: in the state. So so they so the two guards that get out both get out on the same side and it looks like there's a yeah, there's a third driver that stays in and mm-hmm. I guess that guy just never looks back.
3: Yeah. That could be like that, that was, was attempt, fair. you know, thirty seven was Phil got the bag yeah. and the guy saw him and he's like, All right, tomorrow there's a guy there, I'll look out for when he's not looking and that'll be that mm-hmm. exact moment. That's that's when I'll I'll get the bag.
0: I was curious if, like, when he counts the car, if at some point he was walking over and he got hit by the car—not killed, but like hit by the car—and then <laughs> just the rest kind of his, winged. Yeah, yeah, and then the rest of his day was like dealing with that driver and like a, the bad elbow and knee that it gave him, and like he's got to like right. see—he's got to see maybe like the only doctor that would see him is the Harold Ramis doctor, <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, he's like, "Oh, you should be buried in a few weeks." And, you know, the whole time Phil's yeah. just like saying. All right, all I got to do is just go to bed tonight and it's going to wake up, you know, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and
1: the, the wound won't be there.
3: Uh, uh,
0: or the that, doctor
1: sends him to a psychiatrist again. <laughs> he's like, oh, so you? why can't you walk? Oh, the car hit your knee. I see. You well, know what you need.
0: We, we we talked about this earlier, the phantom pain theory that like that Phil's brain, he's mm-hmm. remembering things, but his body doesn't. It's like a reverse thing where it's like. Right. Anytime. Any, like I said like him stepping in the puddle? The only reason he has not remember to step in the puddle is that like his – he doesn't – his brain or his, his foot isn't giving him the registration of – remember when he stepped in the ice-cold uh, – uh, 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 you know, what do you call it? Um, uh, pothole. pothole. Yeah. A pothole of water. Yeah. His, so his foot's not telling his brain that. So his brain's not – so he has to actively think and remind himself not to step in it because his foot's not reminding him. Mm. And, and it's the same thing as he could like kind of wake up at first and like his – like, he thinks his knee hurts, but then he goes, no, my... All right, my knee doesn't hurt. Like, it's the same thing. It's just that, like, he has the memory of the pain, but his body doesn't. It's a weird... It'd be a weird fan of pain to yeah,
3: have. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I've got the... People who listen to Batman will be familiar with the... what I'm about to do, is that... Oh, um... God. Where's this going? <laughs> <laughs> because uh, we had a we have a habit on Batman of trying to link every every given actor ever... Back to Batman, somehow. And everyone yes. in this scene can be linked back to Batman. So, uh,
2: hey. cause we
3: get uh, Herman, one of the guys, played by someone called C.O. Erickson, who was, uh, amongst other things, he was the production manager for Is Paris Burning? But surprisingly not its sequel, Paris is Burning. Uh, um, But no, he was also, he worked on Chinatown and Ironweed, which obviously both feature Jack Nicholson. And Ironweed was actually the film Jack Nicholson made before Batman, like straight away, just straight beforehand. Uh, Then we get, obviously, Doris, Robin Duke was in Multiplicity, which just had far too many Michael Keaton's in it.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can't have too There's many. There's no such yeah. thing. Yeah.
3: And no also, things. I noticed as well, like, apparently, Sean, be, maybe you pointed this out already, but because uh, she was in Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live for uh, a couple of years, and apparently one of the last episodes she was in, the guests were Barry Bostwick and Spinal Tap. So there you go. Oh. Yeah.
1: oh. Uh, I had not pointed that out, but yeah, thank you for uh,
3: But then, uh, yeah, you. the other fellow, Felix uh, Chet Dubow, Dubowski? He's only been in two things: mm-hmm. this and Stranger Than Fiction. But Stranger Than Fiction features Maggie Gyllenhaal, who of course was in The Dark Knight, Batman again. So
1: With Batman. Hey, and, wow. uh,
3: well, it's So connected and as I did allude to, I had something on. Um, what's her name? From the other minutes, <laughs> um, not not Rita, the other the other Nancy. Nancy. There you go. It's happened to Nancy. me now.
1: Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mar- Marita. <laughs> Mariah um
3: beyond being as John said, you know, obviously Fraser and Seinfeld. And people are wondering who she was was in Seinfeld because I went and watched the episode. She's the episode where Jerry's dating a woman and he finds out that Newman dumped her, and he just can't, he just can't be with her now, knowing that Newman rejected her. That's 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 <laughs> who that that's who she is. Yeah. Uh, but she was also in the hit one season uh, TV show Mismatch with Alicia Silverstone who, of course, was Batgirl <laughs> in Batman and Robin,
2: hey. who then went
3: on to be in, just the last year, The Killing of a Sacred Deer with Nicole Kidman, who's in Batman Forever. It's just so oh uh, many loops within loops here. But do you guys, you guys you remember so Mismatch? Deep. That wow. was like 10 years ago. This was like, Alicia Silverstone's back. This, this show's gonna be huge. And then nothing. One season, Alicia Silverstone is now vanished without a trace again, so...
2: Oh, it's a shame. It's a shame. I think she needs. It to It's a shame. A, a I like combat. Alicia Silverstone.
3: Oh, I still like her, but you know, you just don't see her as much. But it,
2: yeah, well, I think she's got something
1: coming out. Um, I saw her in a a promo or a commercial. It's or mismatch season two. It's uh, finally coming. Yeah. <laughs> see, uh, I don't have
2: any interesting things like that. My my only other note was I really dig Doris's jacket, <laughs> like. I, is it denim? What the, the hell is yeah, that?
1: Yeah, it's like an acid wash denim jacket. Oh, yes. that it's was, beautiful. Uh...
2: And I hate denim. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> you only think you—you you just haven't found the right. You haven't found the right denim, John. You haven't found the <laughs> right, yeah, right, yeah, right I, denim yet.
2: I haven't felt the right yeah. denim against my skin.
3: Although yeah. yeah. I don't think I've been on other shows where, like, I can't remember where it was, but I remember I—I I hate jeans. I refuse to wear jeans because I hate the feel of denim mm-hmm. on the skin. So, like, that's a hard and fast rule of things that I don't like is ketchup and denim, which always gets me into, like, (laughs) you know, conversational holes where people are just like, wait, stop everything? What? And then...
2: Yeah, don't put ketchup on your (laughs) denim. What what are you doing?
1: Yeah, you'd never do that.
3: I tried it once and I didn't like it, but people keep bringing it up like it's just a standard thing. (laughs) All right, we got, we got the notes in. We got, we got the
0: it. notes. All right. Now, all right, so uh, I got to thank you for joining us, and I got to ask, because it's by law, where can our listeners <laughs> hear more of your ramblings about jeans and, and ketchup?
2: Oh, God, well, you, you can hear us ramble about far more than that. Uh, sometimes it's Batman-related. Occasionally, <laughs> only tangentially is it ever
3: that. is it ever Batman related? Yeah,
2: you know, if you want the generic chat with a bit of Batman in there, then look us up, Batman at eighty nine. Uh, we are on Facebook at the Batman at eighty nine listeners' society. That's probably the the best, most fun place you can you can join us, uh, or, or send us a tweet at Batman at eighty nine as well. And we're we're all over the place. We're on iTunes and whatnot.
0: Thank you very much. Um... Uh, let's see, Sean. Let's see. Uh, we're, we're, we have, have our uh, our listeners join us. Yeah, We got, we got groundhogminute.com, gobblersnob on Facebook. Uh, that's the Listener Society. We got at groundhogminute on Twitter and groundhogminute at gmail.com. Right? I covered it all?
1: There you go. All right. That's the, the, the major points. So for- thank you, Dave. Thank you, John and Nile. And thank you, listeners. So that is it for us. And we will see you tomorrow if there is one.
3: Your hair's too long Cause I don't care With you I can't do wrong